Welcome to The Shaleen Show. Shaleen is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Hello? <laughs> Who's this? Nate. Hey, Nate. How excited are you that you don't have school today? Yeah, I'm super excited. I bet you are. What are you going to do today? Um... Me and my dad are going to make a project from a, a TV show. Oh, what TV show? Cartoon Network. I love that show. So, Nate, let me ask you a question. What? How would you describe your dad? Um, fun, funny, and really interesting. Really? Yeah. Is he cool? Yes. Okay, and what's one thing that he has taught you that maybe other dads don't teach their kids? Um, he taught me how to do a wrist shot in hockey, <laughs> and he taught me how to build a helmet. Sounds pretty creative. So, like athletics and creativity. Yes. Okay. What's your best friend's name? Henry. Why do you like Henry? Because he's really funny, and I think he's just a good friend that I trust. That's Wow, it's very profound. You know what I noticed about the two people who you like the most? They're both funny, which means you like funny people, which probably means you're pretty funny. Yeah. And do you know what I've noticed about funny people? What? They're always really smart. Well, I'm good at math. Well, wouldn't you describe yourself as pretty smart? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. What do you think you're going to be when you grow up? A famous soccer player. Ooh, so you're good at soccer. What position do you play? Uh, sometimes I fl- play defense and forward. Okay. After you retire from soccer, what do you think you'll do? What would be super cool? Uh, writing, being an author. Wow. Can I adopt you? Are you available for adoption? Uh, no. All right. Nate, I hope you have an awesome day off from school today. <laughs> See you soon. Bye. Bye. Mom, Dad. Yeah. Here. Way too cute. He's <laughs> so adorable. Very confident. <laughs> you don't survive in our family if you're not confident, believe me. Yeah, and the funny thing, did you ask him about adoption? I asked him if I could adopt him. Yeah, the funny thing is he is adopted. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh. What a compliment to have Guy's nine-year-old son give us his intro. He's fun and funny, and yes, he's very interesting. Guy Kawasaki is the author of over 13 books. His latest, The Art of Social Media, explores how social media really is an art, and it doesn't have to be that overwhelming and intimidating as long as you know where to start and how to simplify things. Guy's experience dates all the way back to the early days of Apple. Now, here's the really cool thing that I find fascinating about him. In almost all of his professional experiences, huge companies have brought him on to be kind of the person who figures out the evangelism part of a brand. And what is that? Well, it's that thing that happens with Apple where you see people driving down the road with a a little Apple sticker on the back of their car, like promoting the fact that they love a brand of computers or software. And he's done that for countless companies the latest of which is Canva. And in this episode, Guy shares with you his best power tips to crush it in social media or how to just get started, how to take this idea that you have 
and turn it into a blog and then get the word out using social media. And who knows, maybe write a book. Ladies and gentlemen, Nate's dad, Guy Kawasaki. Guy at Shaleen, how are you? Good. I'm really good. Awesome. It was a pleasure getting to chat with your son this morning. <laughs> I guess the ultimate compliment is I asked him if you were cool and he's like, yeah. <laughs> So this is a pleasure to have you. Your wealth of knowledge is um, amazing, and I shared with our guests just before we started a little bit about your history. What has me most intrigued, and of course, we're going to get to The Art of Social Media, your latest book, and I think everyone will be able to take away from from that endeavor, and whether they're new to social media or um, a seasoned pro. What really has me fascinated is You've got this knack for helping giant companies understand that special secret sauce that creates evangelists of their products. And we all want people to feel like they belong. Mm -hmm. But what are some of the things that most people miss when it comes to creating culture and tribe around like a phone or a software program? I think what most people miss is that they believe it is about them the person and it's in my experience it's not that so this is the phenomenon that i call guys golden touch and by calling it guys golden touch you would think that i'm trying to say that whatever i touch turns to gold but i'm saying quite the opposite which is that guys golden touch is whatever is gold the guy touches hmm. so the, the key as far as my experience for starting a movement or a community or something like that is not guy, but it's the product or the service. And so if you have a great product or service, it's very easy to evangelize it. If you have a sucky product or service, it's very hard. So guys, golden touches, whatever is gold, guy touches. Mm. And, you know, one example that I know you're familiar with is Canva. So I didn't make Canva a community and a you know really great body of people using it and you know very successful. Uh, what I did is I saw that it was successful. They actually contacted me. I saw how successful it was. So I decided, hmm, you know this train is about to leave the station. I need to get on. But then people look at it and say, oh, guy, you know, you, you, you've done so much for Canva. You've made it so successful. Well, you know, I have contributed, but fundamentally it was good to start with. And so going back to the very start of my career with Macintosh, I didn't make Macintosh great. Macintosh made me great. Hmm. Do great products and services need someone like Guy, someone who, you know, it, it, the product is great, but it needs this person who people trust and believe in and have the integrity to say to people who look to them for advice, this is it. Well, let, let's just say that doing what I do for a company is one method. It's not the only method, but it is one method. I, I am not so vain as to tell you, you know, it's my way or the highway. I'm the only way you could be successful. That, that is simply not true, but it is a way. I'm really not trying to build a cult. My mantra, my perspective on life is I want to empower people. And that is different than I want them to become my disciples. Yeah. I'd love for people to read my book, hear my speech, whatever, take the knowledge they can and go off and do it and never look back. They don't even have to remember that I was part of it. <laughs> you know? 
sure. Uh, I'm into empowering people. I'm not into building a, um, you know, some kind of cult. I hear that, and and I respect that. But I guess my my question is, and what I'm always trying to look at when I look at these big companies that hit that tipping point, and maybe they didn't have the investors or the advertising budget or the things that other giant corporations or products or services did, but it starts to grow this grassroots movement where people who are maybe early users and founders and people who we trust because of their loyalty and their integrity, when those people say, okay, this is a cool phone, or this is a great piece of software, or this is the social media platform that's driving traffic to my website. Do you think that that is a critical component to hitting that tipping point without huge funding investing behind you? Yeah, absolutely. That that is for sure. Uh, One of the the great things is that Social media accelerates this. That's the key. Mm, yeah. So, you know, social media for every small business and for every entrepreneur, social media is the best thing that ever happened to them. I see. Because agree. prior to social media, you know, spend $5 million producing an ad and $5 million running it on the Super Bowl, or you, you spent $100,000 to buy an ad. Now, it's like it's money is the enemy of great marketing. Uh, Social media is fast and it's free and it's ubiquitous. And this is like the best thing that ever happened to marketing is social media. It's so funny that we're really having to educate people about that. And even still, there are these, I guess, um, misconceptions that we hold on to. Just uh, last week, I was on the number one rated national morning TV show Uh with, with Kelly and Michael. It was this great spot and it was really long and you know, everyone was like, wow, did your website crash? And I mean, I love the opportunity. It was super fun, but it was a blip. <laughs> you know, it's a blip. We get, I'll get way more traffic the next day posting a funny video on Facebook. So know? can I just riff on that? Sure. I absolutely agree. And so here's, here's another kind of example. L- let's say that you are a a company that sells some kind of, you know, somewhat techie kind of product, right? And so your 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 best case, your absolute marketing dream is if the Wall Street Journal or Wired or Fast Company reviews your product. And you think, my God, if the Wall Street Journal reviews my whatever, the next day the phones are going to ring off the hook, the website's going to go down, you know, blah, blah, blah. Right. And what I've noticed is the next day nothing happens. Yeah. Uh, but by contrast... This is you know getting very specific. There's this kid named Marcus Brownlee, B R O W N L E E. Okay, so he is a kid who's I think in his senior year of college, and he does product reviews of phones mostly, and he sets up a little thing in his dorm room and he talks about the phone and you know the pluses and the minuses, and I look at him and I go to his YouTube channel and this kid has two million YouTube subscribers. So if you gave me a choice of having 2 million YouTube subscribers or being in a publication with 1 million subscribers and maybe 9 million people who read the newspaper, i.e. the Wall Street Journal, if you gave me a choice between Marquez Brownlee and the Wall Street Journal reviewing my product, I would pick Marquez all day long, all day long. So what are the guidelines? There must be a litmus test that you suggest people use before you hit post, before you hit send to double check and make sure, does this provide value? Okay, so when you go to a restaurant and you have a, you know, okay meal, you tip the waiter 10, 15, you know, 20%, right? 
So it's a tip. In America, anyway, almost as, as a matter of routine, you tip them. You know, let's just say most of the time everybody tips, right? So a plus one in Google Plus or a like or a thumbs up, that's kind of a tip. That's right, yeah. The test before you post anything is would you recommend the restaurant to your friends? Would you mm-hmm. recommend it? and risk your credibility. So it's one thing to give five bucks to the waiter. It's another thing to tell your friends, you've got to eat there. Mm-hmm. So apply this to social media. Whenever you post something, ask yourself, are the people who get this post from me, are they going to reshare it to their followers? Mm-hmm. In other words, is it so good that I read something that Guy posted. I'm going to reshare what Guy posted because I could have never found that. That is so useful. I'm going to risk my reputation by sharing with my followers what Guy has shared. Oh, I love that. So it's called the reshare test. And it's almost a reflection on you. If I recommend this restaurant and they have a terrible experience, it's a reflection on me. So we want to produce content that makes other people look good when they share it. Right. Love that. Is that true across all platforms? Yes. Mm. Yes. You know, with Twitter, when you're going back and forth, I mean, no, doesn't you know if if somebody conversations. Yeah, that's a conversation. No one's going to reshare a conversation unless you're mm-hmm. Barack Obama or you know. I don't know. <laughs> Generally speaking, let's take an example of uh, Pinterest. So mm-hmm. if if someone that you follow on Pinterest shares the most incredible picture of, you know, Jimmy Choo's shoes or uh, Good choice. yeah, Jean-Paul Gaultier's new coat or, I don't know, some Kate Spade's new bag, right? Whatever, right? Boy, you sure can tell you're a married man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell what I'm married to. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. I love her already. Yeah. So, so if you post a picture of this Jimmy Choo shoes or, you know, whatever, Kate Spade bag, is it so cool, so beautiful that people will get it and then repin it? That's mm-hmm. the test. Yeah. The one area or social media where I think, I don't know if you agree, most people miss this mark is on Instagram. For example, the other day I was like, oh, you know whose style I love? I love Rachel Zoe. And, and so I went to follow her on, on Pinterest and yeah, there's great content. But on Instagram, it's like, picture of the dog, a picture of some people she's with who I don't know. Okay, let's address this. So I would make the case that Instagram is a completely different world. Instagram is very difficult to pass the reshare test because Instagram is more about letting people inside the tent, opening up the kimono, showing that you are human. So if you go to my Instagram stuff, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of selfies. There's a lot of, (laughs) you know, stupid stuff that doesn't pass the reshare test, quite frankly. Mm. I, I think you use Instagram to show that even if you're Rachel Zoe or that, you know, there's a human side to you. Yeah. Which is different than curation. Now, I, I, I think my listeners would be cringing if I didn't share my own opinion on that. Yeah. And that is to say that I think that's the mistake people make. And I want a little piece of that. Mm-hmm. I definitely, because I'm a fan of the person behind the brand. But I I still want that value. So the way I recommend people use Instagram, and there's lots of different opinions out there, and and that's the other thing I think people should 
know is that you got to figure this stuff out by doing it mm-hmm. and figuring out what works, what sticks. But I, I have a couple of different Instagram accounts. It's like, follow me on this one for fashion. Follow me on this one for fitness. This is where I'm going to give you all my business advice. Here's the one I give for social media tips. And here's the one that's a little, you're going to get a little bit more of me. So you have separate Instagram accounts like that? Yeah. Yeah. See, you're younger than I am, so you can keep all this stuff straight. I cannot. Um. I have a lot of help. (laughs) But in general, you know, when I just think about with all social media, I think about, okay, now how am I using this? Mm -hmm. And we're all short on time. I think people are, they want things fast and quick and um, they want, they follow us for the reasons they follow us. And we have to kind of let them tell us what that is. Because in the beginning, I was very reluctant to post anything fitness related because I'm like, but that's not what I'm about. I'm about helping people with their business. But if that's what people want, then I give them a fitness account and I give them a a business account and a motivation account, but they serve different purposes. I I also believe, you know, at some level, when you reach critical mass, Mm -hmm. in a rare moment of immodesty, I'm being sarcastic. So there are people who view me as kind of a, expert in entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. let's say. I'm not claiming I'm an expert. I'm saying people view me that way. So if you follow Guy because you want to learn about entrepreneurship and innovation, at some level, you feel a connection Mm -hmm. to Guy. And so when Guy goes on Instagram and posts a picture of his first class seat in an Emirates Mm -hmm. Airbus 380, which, you know, using your theory, I would have a separate account for, you know, this is my life as opposed to this is my, you know, entrepreneurship advice. I think it makes you more human. So you say, huh, so, you know, guy does this and guy does that. And isn't this interesting? Isn't this the most fantastic seat in an Airbus 380 on Emirates? And I think you would build a closer feeling to guy that he's not just about pimping his books and pimping his speeches. And, you know, he shows a little slice of his life that even he's amazed at the Emirates seat. I think we have to do that. I think the mistake people make mm-hmm is when they're new to social media, they people don't know who you are. And then, yeah. you know, every picture is what I ate for lunch, my, my dog, right. um, the view. Right. It's like, that, it, there's no value there. And, and we don't know you. Yeah. And I think it is important to show people we're real and, and what's going on behind the scenes. But if all you're seeing is behind the scenes, I think that's too much. I think I personally believe that, that you've got to have that balance and, and that before, Honestly, I think you have to earn the right to be able to bore people with a picture of your dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like it. You know, I like I, there, it. For example, like there's it. this one uh, fashion account that I follow because like, I'm like, her stuff is just very normal. And every day I could click on it and go, oh, cool. I could wear that outfit today. That's in my closet. It's not like high fashion. It's just yeah. normal stuff. And then she went on vacation for a week. And every picture yeah. was like the sunset. I'm like, oh, man, do I have to unfollow her? What am I supposed to wear today? <laughs> <laughs> but what I love about your approach, uh, what I love funny. about your approach is it really is for that person who's like, I don't even know where to begin because it is an art form. What is the first, yeah. you know, for, let's put the two of us aside for a second. Let's talk about somebody who's just really interested in, in blogging and social media. What's step one? And what's their goal? Find, you know, I'll tell you what the majority of my listeners say. I don't yet know what my passion and purpose is. I just, I just know I want to share what I love. They have to reasonably come up with some sort of perspective and, and plan. I would make the case 
that, and people are going to hate me for saying this because, uh, you know, I'm the other, other extreme, that I think social media is a very good platform to position yourself in your career. Mm-hmm. You know, if you are an 18-year-old kid and you want to show that you're getting drunk and you're getting, you know, mm. you're like whatever. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. That's that's a legitimate use of social media. I'm not telling you what to do, right? But right. if you're if you're you know older than 18 and you want to use it to position yourself for your career and for betterment and for all that, then social media is the best thing that ever happened. Yes. And now you have to come up with some kind of thesis. You can't just sit there and say, you know, I'm a 30 year old person and I'm in you know in my career has started and I just want to show what. You, you first have to come to some kind of conclusion and then you just start finding content that positions you. Can we take a hypothetical? Like, Please, well, yeah. Well, no, I mean, you tell me a hypothetical and I'll tell you how I would use okay. social media. Uh, I've My kids have just gone back to school. Right. I used to be an interior decorator. Now I find that I have been helping my girlfriends kind of repurpose what's in their closet. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I don't know if this is a business. I feel guilty going back to work, but I do know I've got these really great tips. You know, someone who, let's say someone is thinking that they'd like to start a blog teaching people how to go shopping in their own closet, put outfits together and... Okay. So first of all, I think that is a fantastic idea and, you know, very interesting segment. Okay. So so from day one, I would start showing like pictures of before and after. Like mm. that would be one thing. Second thing would be, uh, did you know that uh, you can... Take this and make it into this. So in other words, you're saying like we're going into the closet, we're going to take an old t-shirt, cut off the bottom of it, and turn it into an infinity scarf. Yeah, that's a lot better for your... <laughs> I mean, like I said, <laughs> you're obviously a woman and I'm obviously a geek. So, okay, you, that could be a 30-second video, right? right? So you take that 30-second video, which you shot with your phone, you okay. put it on YouTube, mm-hmm. and then you, you tweet it out. Uh, on Facebook, this is a real tweak power tip, but there's two ways to put that video on Facebook. One is to embed the YouTube video, which is what most people mm-hmm. do. But if you uploaded it directly to Facebook, Facebook is going to show that video to a lot more of your followers. And if you think about it, it makes sense because Facebook is trying to compete with Google. So Facebook doesn't want to promote YouTube because it's part of Google. Facebook would rather promote video directly uploaded to Facebook. So a power tip is upload it to YouTube and embed in other places, upload it directly to Facebook so it's native Facebook video. Great advice. So you, you do these kind of things and then you also find people who have done other YouTube video and have done other articles that, you know, at Lifehacker or I don't know, you know, other people who are are already doing what you're doing, but you're sharing their stuff and you're confident it passes the reshare test. So mm. then pretty soon you're on the radar of these other bloggers who are doing the similar thing. So they're promoting your stuff, you're promoting their stuff, the rising tide floats all boats. You know, you're making a YouTube video every once in a while. Next thing you know, you know, you got your TV show (laughs) and you've written a book and you've got a column in uh, Real Simple Magazine and, you know, you'll say, who's Guy Kawasaki? Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
Let me ask you a question about blogging, because I, I know a lot of people um, are excited about doing that and aren't sure a couple of things. Number one, how often and how long? I think the often test is the, the hardest part of blogging. I think mm. once a week. Once a week is you know just about the right. Twice a week is hard. And less than once a week and you're kind of disappearing. So mm, I would say, okay. you know, once or twice a week is kind of the sweet spot. Length, I would say between 500 and 1,000 words. Doesn't have to be long anymore. And I, I don't believe in the long post anymore. Mm, to me, there's only, you know, blog, there's like, there's tweets, there's blog posts, and there's books. <laughs> Nothing in the middle. What, how do we get someone to read our blog? How do we find readers? I mean, social media is the marketing platform for blogs. If you have written a blog about something, every one of those posts that you make, you should send out through social media. I mean, if it's if it's worth writing about, it's worth promoting through social media. I can't imagine a scenario where you crafted a blog post, but you don't want to promote it. You know, I'm scratching my head here. When would I ever do that? Why did I write it if I'm not going to promote right. it, right? And so here's another power tip for you. It's okay to repeat your tweets. So yeah. let's say, what did you call that thing where you take a... What'd you say? You take a blouse and you make it into what? That's like so foreign you, concept. Okay, you, I want you to do this with your son because he said you had you're doing some projects today. Yeah. You take a giant T-shirt. Okay. You cut off the bottom, say like uh, ten inches of it. Okay. So now you've got like a big giant hoop, right? Rubber like band, a circle, yeah. right? Yeah. And so then you can just loop it around twice around your neck, and that's called an infinity scarf. It's very NYC. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say you write a blog post. You know, how to make an infinity scarf. Yes. Now, most people will tell you you should tweet it once and be done with it. If you tweet more than once, people are going to accuse you of being a spammer. Mm. You're going to get people who unfollow you, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, I can tell you, at least from my statistics, total certainty. If you get, I don't know, 200 people to read it the first time you tweet it, You'll get 200 the second time and 200 the third time. Mm -hmm. So yep. you can either get 600 people to read your blog posts or you can get 200. This is an Ooh, IQ test. That's good. The reason why it works is because guess what? Not everybody is up at the same time in the world. And even if everybody, let's say all your readers lived in California. Okay, so you think, oh, prime time is 8 a.m. Well, yes, everybody in California is up at 8 a.m., but maybe these people read blog posts at 7 p.m. or at 10 p.m. when their kids are asleep. Mm -hmm. So why are you judging that, okay, California's up, they're all going to read my posts, I'm going to post once at 8 a.m. I mean, when you go to ESPN or CNN or you know NPR, any of those things, if you, if you watched it for a few hours, you'd see them repeat the story, right? Complete repetition, not oh, you're right. an update, total yeah. repetition, right? Mm -hmm. And that's because they realize that, you know, people consume media different ways in different times of day. Gosh. The power tip on top of the power tip is, yes, if you triplicate your tweets, some people will complain. There's no question. But the calculation you have to make in your mind is, you know, do I want 600 people reading my blog post and two complaining? Or do I want 200 people reading my blog post 
and nobody complaining. Great point. Me? I picked 602 complaints all day long. Like, I'll take that math. Right? Yeah. And so for one thing, if someone has noticed that you tweeted out the same thing three times in 24 hours, what does that say about that person? Like that person needs a life. This is not your <laughs> fault. How can it be oh possible you noticed that? Right. Oh, I mean, gosh. You- yeah. That's a great tip. I love that power tip. And I think that's one of the things that people become so overwhelmed with the daunting task of social media because they think everything has to be fresh, new, and seen once. And and that's just not true. It's not true. Everything has to be fresh and seen once for a person. Mm. That doesn't mean that you should only post it once. What can we do to make drawing attention to our blog more interesting by using services like Canva? Excellent. So Canva is an online graphics design service. It enables you in seconds, maybe minutes, to make beautiful graphics. And so I can give you more power tips now. So I I know because I've done it for myself that when I added a picture to every tweet, it doubled, literally doubled engagement. Wow. Just adding a picture. Canva is the thing that can help you add pictures. And if you really want to do it right for a blogger, you would add a picture that's taller versus wider. Mm. And the reason why you do this is because that's the picture that looks good on Pinterest. That's right. And Pinterest is the long tail. If you, if you have a blog post that has a good picture for Pinterest, six months from now, someone will pin it again. And it will get a whole new set of traffic. And that's not true of any other, you know, a tweet that's six months old doesn't exist anymore. That's so true. In fact, any social media that you post six months from now doesn't really exist except for Pinterest. Everything else has a short shelf life except Pinterest. And I think so many people, because of a tool like Canva, they can really take advantage of what's happening on Pinterest, which is driving traffic that just continues to grow. But most people think, well, I, you know, I don't have that great of pictures and, you know, I, I'm using uh, my own graphic devices mm-hmm. and, and you can use, I, I mean, this is a public service announcement for anyone who's trying to create their own graphics, doesn't want to have to figure out Photoshop or go back to design school, use Canva. Can yeah. I just say thank you? I love Canva. Well, thank you. We I'm the it. chief evangelist of Canva, so of course, just keep on talking. I'll just I, shut up for a while. I, well, you know, we we promote it heavily in the Marketing Impact Academy because I it's kind of like almost um, interior design or singing. Those are two things most people think they're much better at than they really are, <laughs> <laughs> myself included. And even if you figured out a program to create those things yourself, the spacing, the um, the way things are offset, the colors, all of those things really require the artistic eye of yes. a designer. And you have that at your fingertips for free. Did we say for free? Yeah. Yeah. Can't get much better than that. Yeah. I'll put links to that in the uh, show notes. And I'm not an affiliate for Canva. I'm just an, I'm a co-evangelist. I love Canva. <laughs> okay. So... So first of all, add a graphic that doubles your engagement, okay? Then tweet it out three times that triples your engagement. So right now, listening to your show, you figured out a way to get six times more traffic. You know, like if, if you were an SEO consultant and you could promise six times more traffic, you'd be the most successful SEO consultant in the history of man. You'd be getting <laughs> paid, you know, $10,000 an hour. So here are two very easy things. You know, add a graphic, repeat your tweets, 
add a graphic. Canva will make it especially easy. And then do it with Pinterest. There's a mm. Pinterest design on Canva, so you can make it, you know, optimized for Pinterest. So we've just increased people's engagement 6x here. Yeah. In fact, one of the things that we did on Facebook is when I first started this podcast, I would write a little blurb about what this episode was about, mm-hmm. and I would include a link to my uh, podcast mm-hmm. in iTunes, and I could get, oh, maybe 600,000 views on a video, but on that little post about this really great content on a podcast episode, it would be seen by like maybe 1% of my followers. So we started using uh-huh. Canva to create these really cool eye-catching graphics so that you didn't have to read what the podcast was about. You would just look at this really cool graphic we created on Canva, and it has gotten us so much more traction on Facebook just using that tool. Really? If I put a video right now yeah. on yeah. my Facebook wall, and I have uh, about 600,000 followers, I yeah. might I can get 600,000 views, not just... Um, seen by just I can get 600,000 views on a video video is very powerful but if I write a little uh-huh. um, update it wasn't getting any shares I see now photos do so what I said to our, my staff was let's create a canva picture like a you know a graphic yeah. and use that to promote the podcast as opposed to writing about the podcast and True. it took off like crazy so we're getting amazing shares good to know yeah Yeah. And the other thing that we'll do is we'll use Canva to create like 10 different little um, font graphics, basically. Uh Right. uh And I might use those to illustrate what you've just said. And then underneath it, I will play the audio of you and I talking on the podcast and Uh turn it into a little tiny movie. Uh But there's no video of you and I. It's just the graphics we've created on Canva, putting those into iMovie, sharing it on Facebook, and getting hundreds of thousands of of views and shares where otherwise I'd get a blip. Wow. So it's just taking advantage of the fact that Facebook, my Facebook feed anyways, um, they, they look for video. So now I'm creating videos using Canva graphics. <laughs> I love it. This is the most high-value podcast in the history of man here. Like, and yeah. it's free, people. That's and, right. and I really do hope people will take advantage of that because I'm kind of sick of seeing these, like, really atrocious, homegrown um, graphics. People are like, yeah. why would you do yeah. that? The canvas free. So if you haven't tried it, you don't have to be graphically inclined. It's just drop and drag. It's like painting by numbers. It's 101. It Super really simple. is. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, when I saw it, it was guy's golden touch, man. I got to get on this train. Well, there's been so many phenomenal tips in this episode. I think you nailed it when you said this is going to be the content-filled episode for people to listen to. (laughs) Guy, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. And I I want to let you uh, enjoy this amazing day with your son while he still thinks you're cool. Yeah, those days are numbered. (laughs) Can I just give you one more uh, thing? Heck yeah. So the website for the book is artof.social. Artof.social. And of course, we'll include a link to that in my show notes. Well, thank you. And uh, at the top of that page is a quiz, a social media quiz. Okay. So people can go there and take the quiz and find out that you know if they do really well, they don't need to read the book. But if they don't <laughs> do really well, they really need to read the book. 
There's always more to learn about There's this. There's always more to learn, yes. Yeah, and as soon as we take on that mindset, then it's not so overwhelming. It's just like, this is a process. I'm learning to be a better parent every day, yep. and I'm learning to be more effective in social media. Guy, it's been a pleasure to have you on The Shaleen Show. We look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you. See you in March. See you soon. Bye. I hope you were taking notes. If not, we've done it for you. Just go to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash podcast. There in my show notes, you'll also see a link to Canva. I wasn't raving about Canva just because Guy was on my show. That was a mere coincidence. I've been a fan of Guy's for a long time. Realizing that he works with Canva made it all the more exciting for me. He's one of those people who you just trust because if they recommend it, it works. It's awesome. It's great stuff. Check out Canva. Even if you don't have a business yet, you're thinking about a plan B, or you just like to put better graphics together, it's so totally easy to use. Now, one last note about Nate. What a special kid. And there might be a special kid out there waiting to find a family like yours. I don't know what it is, but there's something very special about those of you who are adopted. I think you have a gift. And for those of you who are dying to start a family, I just want you to know that if you believe God has prepared you to love and raise a child, just be open to the idea that he might have his own plan. And through the loving and courageous act of adoption, you might just find that missing piece. Think about it. Look into it. Be open to it. Today's show was brought to you by the Courageous Confidence Club. If you know that confidence can make a huge difference in your life, please check out CourageousConfidenceClub.com or visit my website, ShaleenJohnson.com and see if we have an upcoming webinar. I often do free webinars teaching people how to have more confidence. It's my push goal this year. Until we get a chance to spend some time together again soon, you know what I'm going to say. Well, maybe because you think you know what I'm going to say, I'm not going to say it. So I'm going to say, you're totally awesome. And you're the bomb.com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com/audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com/audio. That's carshield.com/audio.